Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Tribes, where you'll go to Middlesbrough FC podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Musgrove. And as usual, joined by Craig Don, uh, Craig Johns and Dom Shaw. I was going to say Craig Dom there. That's a good start, isn't it, lads? Um, it's the one, Dom. We're morphing into one. <laughs> uh, You've been called worse, mate. Certainly have, and probably by me. So, uh, you know, we're into the into the off-season. Um, but, you know, it's still a busy time for Middlesbrough, for all clubs, really. They announced their return list, uh, was it last week? Um I'll come to you first, Dom. Any names that stood out for you? Well, I, I think Marvin Johnson was the that was the that was the the one where there was a, a bit of uncertainty. Um, probably more so because of the way uh, his season played out. I mean, it, it, his four years at Borough has been um, quite the roller coaster, really. The up and down. It looked like he was going to be on his way a couple of times and fought his way back into the plans a couple of times and was a key player in the first half of the season um, and Warnock talked about the the um, extending his contract and giving him a new deal but he became I guess a bit of a fringe figure in the second half of the season and um, I think I understand I understand um, the fans who were saying that he should have had an extension especially given that Warnock has has talked about the need for squad depth and, and fans say, you know, you only have to look at his numbers. I think only George Savile contributed to more goals last season. Um, but then equally, on, on the other hand, you know, Borough finished in the bottom half two seasons ago and middle, mid-table the season just gone. They, they want to improve. They, they want to finish in the top six. So to do that, you've got to improve on the players who, who haven't managed to do that in the last couple of seasons. So um, that area. Uh, kind of forward areas uh, on the flanks, although you know we, it doesn't look like Warnock will play with kind of orthodox wingers as such, but more than more perhaps maybe two forwards off a centre forward. But regardless, it, it, it's an area he wants to strengthen. Um, so it looked as though Johnson would <clears throat> would would be a bit of a fringe figure, really, as he was in the second half of the season. Um, and, and I think Warnock felt that at this stage of his career, Johnson. Doesn't doesn't shouldn't have that. He should be going out and playing elsewhere. So, so he left. As I said, I mean, it, it's been an up and down. He was probably kind of the most under the radar signing in that in that summer when Gary Monk, uh, when Borough obviously threw money at all sorts of, of players and signed the likes of Asombalonga and Fletcher and, and Braithwaite. Um, and you know, to to only be outlasted by Johnny Housen um, and to leave in the same summer as Fletcher and Asombalonga, obviously, but he. he, he stayed beyond them really because they didn't feature in the last month of the season um as i said he, he started pretty well scored on his debut at bolton ripped qpr to bits um i remember paul fraser who worked at the northern echo was absolutely desperate to get a magic johnson headline out of him after that but, but failed i think and then tony Pulis sent him away out of sight out of mind and, and his time looked over at borough then jonathan woodgate gave him a chance um and then he, he played a key role in warnock's uh, in the survival at the back end of last season. So it, it's been quite a strange time for him at the club, really. But um, 
yeah, yeah, best of luck. I, I think you know, as a, a, that, that's the that's the standout one, and then obviously there's Mendes, Lang, and Archer, which I'll I'll let Craig talk about, or I'll be sat here all morning. We'll go to them just a moment. I just want to jump in there quickly before Craig speaks about those two. Look on the the Middlesbrough website there. The obviously they the, the announced the retain list, and you know they see um so some longer Fletcher Johnson all signed by Gary Monk during the summer of uh, 2017 and their departures leave Johnny Housen as the only player recruited by the former boss during that summer still at the club. Is that, I mean, is that me reading too much into it or is that maybe a little dig at the recruitment policy under the previous manager, do you think? Because they've kind of made a point of it there, haven't they, Dom? I, I think, um, no, I, don't, I think it's just more a matter of fact, um, really. Uh, in that, it, it, I guess it shows that thing that time has moved on, and you know that was a bold summer. You know, Borough came down, and obviously Steve Gibson made his his desire absolutely clear to you know he wanted to go back up and and smash the league, as he put it. Um, and he absolutely put him put his money where his mouth was. And Borough's, but when you look back at the squad a couple of weeks back, um, a picture was floating around on social media of, of the official. Borough's official team photo before that season started. And, and I saw a couple of fans say, you know, how on earth didn't this team win promotion? I mean, without going over all ground, Borough looked very muddled in the first half of that season. It was almost, there was almost a football manager feel to it where Gary Monk kind of got all these players together and then thought, right, now what do I do? Um, and it was only kind of after the players came together, then you kind of thought, right, now how, how is he going to, How's he going to fit them together? But there's no doubt, but his squad was was absolutely stacked, and you know that as well as the players who were brought in. Then there's the likes of Ben Gibson who were still at the club and Adama Traore, and um, but obviously it, it didn't work out. I think when you look back at those, you know, it's easy to just um, look back at that summer and, and say, well, the recruitment was was a failure. Borough didn't get where they wanted to get, but. Darren Randolph was a, was a superb signing. Um, he, he was a brilliant goalkeeper, and uh, you know he's far too good to be sat on the bench in the Premier League, in my opinion. Um, Johnny Housen has been an excellent signing, club captain now, been reliable for four years. Um, obviously, British Sambalonga and Ashley Fletcher, but for the money that was spent, have been disappointments to Sambalonga more than Fletcher and Martin Braithwaite. But when you know when he left, there was there was you wouldn't have guessed that he was going to end up at Barcelona. Um, so. It, you know, when you look back at there, the, the, I guess there's success and, and failures. Thompson is probably somewhere, somewhere in the middle. Yeah, and 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 kind of just to pick up on what what Dom's uh, said there, and also kind of looking ahead from that as well. I think the reason the club have have mentioned that in the retained list is you've got to think is is you know that summer with the parachute payments behind them. You know, Steve Gibson did ambitiously give the club a lot of money to try and get back to where they were. And I think a lot of people kind of fall into the trap of just looking at the transfer fees paid at the time for said player. But if you look at someone like Britta Sombolonga or Ashley Fletcher, who both leave the club this summer, it's not just the transfer fee that they paid for them at that time in the summer of 2017. It's the value of the contract that they also paid over the next five seasons or four seasons, whatever it was. Um, that also factors in. I think a, a big reason, certainly looking forward, why, why that's important for Borough is that if you like without sounding too much like Florentino Perez, the, 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 the legacy contracts for Middlesbrough, where they were paying a lot of money 
um, for these players. And and because they're now gone, and and as Dom says, um, Johnny Housen's the only one left at the club. But of course, he's signed a new contract on on um, on terms that aren't quite as as high as what the the once were. Um, so that's almost like a clearing of the decks of that stage of Middlesbrough's um, squad building, if you like. And that gives them a real opportunity now this summer where those big legacy contracts have gone and they can now look, don't, by no means, they have all of that money that's you know been saved from a Sombolonga and Fletcher leaving because, of course, the club have to bring the wage bill down. But they've got a good slate now where you know, it's clean and those big contracts have gone. They can now look to this summer and try and recruit. It is going to be a big recruitment drive. We know they need a lot of players, but, you know, they've got, they've got you know, a good stand in there because those kind of legacy contracts have gone. So I think that's important as to why the club have made a point of that in, in the retained list announcement. So, I mean, just a word on uh, Mandes Lang and, and Jordan Arch. I mean, are we shocked to see them go? I don't know who wants to jump in there. Are we shocked to see them released? Yeah, I think I think with Jordan Archer, I think ultimately, you know, he came in, he was uh, he was deputy to Marcus Bettinelli when he came in in the January. That was that was always what he was coming in to be. Um, obviously, Marcus Bettinelli's form and confidence dipped, and so Archer got his chance at the end of the season. And he didn't particularly pull up any trees either. He didn't look particularly convincing. And I think a bit like Marvin Johnson, I think ultimately with Archer, it's just a case of of one that wants to upgrade. Really, uh, we shall see what he does. Obviously, with Bettinelli going as well, he kind of needs the two goalkeepers. So he's got Joe Lumley in from QBR already. And uh, and it's looking likely Lumley will be his number one, and it's a case now of looking for a, a number two. Um, with Mendes Lang, it's it's an interesting one. It's slightly different because, as we know, Mendes Lang is is known to Warnock. Warnock knows him well. Of course, he was a big part of of Warnock's promotion winning car. There's an offer there for Mendes Lang should he wish to take it, whereby he can come and he can join in pre-season training with Middlesbrough. Uh, Mendes Lang, like Archer, joined Borough in January, but um, because of his off-field issues and, and his departure from Cardiff in last September, he hadn't played any football and, and he arrived at Middlesbrough clearly, you know, not up to the, the fitness levels that were required. And, and as a result, he, he struggled to really make any kind of impact at Borough. We saw in flashes the quality that he's capable of, that, that chip goal, Nottingham Forest, if I'm not mistaken, it was against a lovely little chip goal brilliant finish that's what he can be capable of but you know because of his fitness levels he, he never really showed that on a consistent basis uh for the borough but as we see warnock knows what he is capable of if he is fit and he knows the value of mendes lang getting a good pre-season in so the offer is that mendes lang should he wish to take it to come have pre-season with borough because um as we understand it the club would kind of only be willing to give him a contract based on appearances at the moment, based on where he's at at the minute and what they know of him at the minute. But, you know, if he were to come in in pre-season, build his fitness, um, show that he can be the player that he was for Warnock at Cardiff, then potentially he could earn himself a more lucrative contract than that. Looking at the uh, under-23s that have gone, it's always interesting to look at clubs and which youngsters who maybe were tip for big things have gone. Do any stand out for you guys or any or any of the players who've been offered, you know, new deals? We've got um Tyrone O'Neill who's who's gone, uh Tyler Williams as well. 
Um, I don't know, Dom, has anyone, anyone in the youth level, any of those decisions surprised you? Tyrone O'Neill's the, the standout name um, because he he's played first-team football. He came on at Leeds um, when, when Borough were beaten heavily the season when, when Woodgate was in charge. I think Ben Little came on that day as well uh, without without looking. Um, but but O'Neill, you know, he's, he's been out on a couple of loan spells. Um, he's been at Darlington a couple of times. And, you know, I think he's 21 now. Um, and that's... He's not. He's not. He wasn't really close to a first team uh, opportunity at Borough. I think you know if, if if that opportunity was going to present itself, it would have done this season when Borough was short and when Warnock was giving young players the chance to to get in amongst the first team squad. We saw Josh Coburn and Conor Malley, um, and and he's been out on as I say, he was out on loan. So so that doesn't really come come as a surprise. Um, that 21 needs to be playing and. And I'm sure, you know, he's got good pedigree. Alan Armstrong absolutely loved him at Darlington and was, was chuffed to bits with the time getting back. I remember actually when um, he was out on loan at Darlington the first time when uh, Jonathan Woodgate was forced to recall him because he had a bit of a striker crisis. Uh, and, and and it was around the time when he ended up coming off the bench at Leeds. Um, and I can't remember what game it was, but Darlow had a, had a big cup game coming up. And... Um, in Borough's mentions on Twitter, it was just packed with Darlow's fans who were absolutely gutted to be to be losing O'Neill when they had these big games coming up. So he's a popular figure there. I'm, I'm sure he'll get his move. Um, but other than that, Borough Bur have been really proactive with, with the young players this summer. There's, there's five or six signed extended deals. Um, and, and there was some throughout the course of last season as well. Um, but, you know... For them, on the back of what has been an excellent season for, for the under-18s and the under-23s, for, for Mark Tinkler and Graham Lee's sides, it's it's clear that the, the work that Craig Liddell and, and the academy staff are doing is 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 going down, is, is very good. And he's been recognised by Neil Warnock. He's talked about that. He's given the young lads an opportunity. Um, and I think for those young lads, the, the obvious the obvious role models are Marcus Tavernier and Dale Fry, who are still only 21, 22 in a absolutely established first team players now and Neil Warnock's adamant will be in the Premier League come the 2022-23 season but it's also the likes of um, Coburn and Mally and Falaran and Jones who, who, who've done enough this year to impress and, and, and there's evidence for the young players to show that if Neil Warnock's impressed he'll, he'll give these lads a chance Looking around the championship or maybe even up to the top flight there Craig, any players that have been released by other clubs which you think might take Warnock's fancy? I mean, I mean, there's probably one out, but we've seen a Cardiff, Saul Bamba. He's gone. I know we've spoken in previous episodes, Dom, about how Warnock was a big fan of him, might still be. I don't know. Are there any other names that spring to mind, Craig, from what you've seen of the, the other released players? Yeah, there's a few. And I mean, as we've we've discussed in, in previous podcasts, I think because of the amount of recruitment that Burnie need to do, free agents will certainly feature uh, on the list. I think um, a couple of names that spring to mind for me, because we know, um, you know, Ian Warnock wants to add some forwards and some wingers. And B, he does like to go after players he knows well, former players who he's worked with. Uh, and that's Kadeem Harris and, and Junior Hoylett. I think uh, both of those are the kind of PSE direct forwards with a bit of versatility too, um, to, which you know would benefit his kind of need and want for tactical flexibility. Uh, they're two players I could definitely see Borough potentially going after this summer. 
Um, let's see, he worked with both at Cardiff. It, it's interesting that with Kadeem Harris, uh, it was a similar situation to the one he had with Marvin Johnson this summer, where at Cardiff he kind of told Kadeem Harris um, he, he wasn't going to play much and it would be better for him to move on and uh, and, and go elsewhere. And that's when Harris moved to, to Sheffield Wednesday. But they kind of both spoke in the aftermath of that move to Sheffield Wednesday about their respect for one another. And, you know, Harris was was really happy with the fact that Warnock was so honest with him and, and, and upfront about his chances of getting first-team football at Cardiff. And, and Warnock spoke really, really warmly about Kadeem Harris at that time. And, and obviously in that, that, that time, he then went and played regular football for, for Sheffield Wednesday, grew and developed as a player. Um, and I could definitely see both or one of them um, joining the borough this summer, as as we see, like one of those forward, versatile forward players that one at once behind these uh, behind these strikers. I think the other thing, as well as as well as free agents, we know that's a market um, near Warnock's going to be looking at, but but also the loan market as well. He's talked in the past, hasn't he, about Premier League loans. Um, so that's something he's going to be considering. In fact, he, he said, hadn't he, at the back end of the season that that um, he, he was well down the line with one with one Premier League loan. Um, but obviously, you know, the Premier League finishes a week or two later, and then clubs are kind of um, getting away, having a well-earned break after a long and intense season. So it, it's understandable that things aren't picking up too much speed just yet. And I think the other thing with free agents is obviously contracts don't actually expire until the end of June. So in many cases, uh, deals and agreements may already be in place, but but they're just not a kind of official as though as, as, as if they haven't been unveiled yet. Warnock talked a lot, didn't he, um, at the end of last season, Craig, about almost getting a handshake from the players or a fist bump in these uh, in these COVID times. Basically just um their word was his was his kind of way of, of putting it. You know, if I get their word, get a word from a player that he's coming, then that's enough for me. And and if he doesn't then come, then he's kind of already let me down, and he's not the type of player I want in my team anyway. So um, I'm I'm sure that uh, we we know how hard uh, Neil Warnock's working, although he's back home at Cornwall, and um, Neil Bowser and the club's recruitment team. But it might well be that um, Warnock already has the word of, of two or three players. Um, and we also know that, that there's there's a battle on for some players. Michael Smith, for example, creates on the line this morning with Bristol City are keen on Smith now. He he might well be in demand. And Rotherham, uh, um, you know, I, I think accepting that that Smith's going to move on this summer, but um, but 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 you know, aren't going to let him go for nothing. They're going to put up a fight. I think the one thing that would stand uh, that would help Borough there is obviously Smith's a northeast lad. Um, and and you know from from what we gather would we'll be quite keen on on coming back to the northeast. So that that's um, that you would you would kind of hope stands for in good stead rather than Bristol City. But we'll see. It it, it is still very early, isn't it? In terms of getting a striker in, though, I mean I mean that's really crucial, isn't it? And we've mentioned that it's not just going to be one; it's probably at least going to be two, given who the you know the released Fletcher and Asamba Longa. So. Even though, like you say, it's a work in progress, Craig, do you think Warnock would prefer to get the players in earlier than than later, and then that gives him time to work with them in the pre-season and you know and feel out what his best side is? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's he's made that perfectly clear in uh, in what he said himself, kind of before the end of last season. 
Um, if you look at at the squad as it stands, um, you know, Tuberak, Palm and, and Josh Coburn are the only strikers left in the squad. And and when the players reconvene for pre-season on, on July the 1st, he doesn't want that to be the case. He wants at least one, if not two strikers in. Ultimately, you know, seasons can be, can be won and lost. Glory can be determined, you know, for a season ahead in pre-season. It's particularly with the Warnock side. Uh, we know Warnock um, typically builds squads that on paper aren't the best in the league, you know, aren't aren't the most favoured sides. Uh, but what Warnock builds is this kind of spirit and 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 togetherness within the group. And that all starts within pre-season. It's all the preparation and all the work that happens in pre-season that creates that togetherness and that spirit that Warner typically builds uh, successful sides from. And, and and so, you know, naturally he wants as many sign-ins as possible uh, early on in the window. Now, obviously there's going to be some towards the back end of the window where you do start getting, for example, Premier League sides deciding that their squad's looking good now so they can let this one go on loan or let that one go on loan. And, and you know, they might pick up deals like that later on in the window, but but generally speaking, it'll, it'll want a, a big core of, of his squad for next season together for most of pre-season this summer so he can build that that togetherness and build that spirit and 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 yes strikers are central to that as I say Akpom and, and Coburn are now the only two strikers at the club Akpom faces an uncertain future um, there is interest in him and I think if if Borough were to get the right offer I think they would certainly entertain it and uh, and obviously Coburn's a young 18 year old lad who, who Warnock's been cautious with um, we know he's unlikely to send Coburn out on loan next season because he believes he's probably at the age that he's at he's probably better staying around the club and particularly if he can bring in the type of strikers he wants kind of shadowing them and watching them and learning from them it's probably going to be better for him at this stage than going out on loan but nevertheless he, he kind of doesn't want to thrust Coburn into that limelight too early too quickly uh, and, and therefore it's absolutely crucial that he does get those strikers in and, and certainly at least one but maybe two sooner rather than later yeah, I, I completely agree with Craig. Sorry, although you know, although I'm saying it's early, that that's not to say that um, kind of the heat isn't on as such. You know, but Neil Warnock talked a lot at the end of last season about the importance of of getting players through the door early. Um, as Craig says, because when he goes away, he wants he wants um, a good look at kind of what he's got, and, and you know, not not eight or nine by any means. He wants eight or nine signings. In an ideal world, he'd have two or three in by the end of June, the start of July. But I do think it's important that the squad tar- starts to take shape. And and as Craig says, um, you know, Warnock puts puts so much emphasis on that pre-season trip, on the bonding element, the barbecue, and and the players kind of all came back last summer and, and were purring about it. Now how, how how much they loved it. So I think both as a as a um a tactical exercise for the new players to get to grips with what Warnock wants. Although, you know, we, we, we might well find out that one or two of them have played for him in the past. But still, th- that element of it and the other element is obviously the kind of team bonding because um a key part of Warnock's success at every club has been the togetherness in the in the dressing room. And that's something he talked about at the end of last year. He was talking about Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool and how He'd heard Klopp say very similar, you know, don't underestimate the importance of just how together this dressing room is. And, uh, you know, that that Warnock will put great stock in that. In terms of the transfer budget, 
and we know that Warnock said he's not like going to go knocking on the door. But how, how do you envisage it working in terms of hard cash spent? You know, obviously they've got the money freed up from the players they've released. Is it a case that there'll be a set budget and that'll be it? And we might not know what it is, but you know, Warnock obviously will. Or, or will there be a case of like, you know, there'll be a bit of movement to see if it's X amount they spend that, but then someone comes up that Warnock's really keen on and he sells it to Gibson, right? Gibson will say, yeah, OK, you know, let, let, let's go after him. Yeah, I think I think from everything Warnock said uh, about that kind of thing in the past, I think the 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 latter of those two is is the most likely to be the way it works. I think ultimately, I think I wouldn't be surprised if at most clubs this isn't the case in terms of an actual transfer budget is probably a bit of a, a fallacy. I think it's a bit of a, a computer game scenario whereby you have to put a budget on what you can spend. Uh, for the for the kind of computer game to function right, but I think in in the real world, Borough have you know targets. Borough have um, a set amount of players that they need to sign. You know, one at once, eight or nine players, and and ultimately they know they need to be shrewd with the business. They'll know their finances and and what they can kind of afford and and, and when they're going to be kind of moving into into the red, if you like, and and they'll have individual kind of valuations. For, for each player and it'll it'll just um you know it'll kind of just go on on player by player what they value him at whether they can get him for that price and and you know they'll be speaking to that many targets we know as I say they want three strikers but the list of strikers that could potentially sign will be as many as kind of 10 or 12 or what have you and and they'll go through each target each striker target they'll assess how much it'll cost to get them. As I say, going back to what I said earlier, it's not just the value of the pay up front, but it's the length of the contract and how much that contract is worth. That has to come into it too. And they'll assess target by target how much it's going to cost and then make a decision based on on the on the kind of cost of each striker who are the three best value for money, if you like, because that's what ultimately Borough have to look for this summer. As as every club in the Championship will, there's going to have to be a, a rude awakening, shall we say, in the Championship this summer with the the, the current climate. And, um, you know, the, the AFL, AFL clubs can't be kind of putting out the begging ball of the Premier League and, and, and asking for the Premier League to kind of give, give this extra money to help save the football pyramid while then going back out and spending millions and millions on, on transfers and players, etc. There has to be this balancing. There has to be this kind of bringing finances back into order in the AFL. And, and therefore, I think I don't think there'll be a set budget as such. It'll just be a case of assessing target by target who represents best value for money. Um, Just before we, we get on, just a quick reminder to please like and subscribe to the podcast. Um, and share it amongst your Middlesbrough supporting friends and family so we can uh, all listen together. Dom, I'm just wondering in terms of transfers, what, what is the project that Warnock is selling to potential arrivals? Well, I think, you know, he, he's, he says a lot, doesn't he? He's 72. He, he, he wants success now. He wants success um, kind of, you know, he doesn't want success tomorrow. He wants it now. He wants it today. I think, from Warnock's point of view, he 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 is obvious. His focus is obviously on this coming season and his attempt to win promotion. Last year, when the likes of Sam Morsey and 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 others came in, um, they all talked about the chance to work for Warnock. His unrivaled record, um, and and 
you know, the fact that they'd heard good things from from previous players. I think it's always um, when when players follow managers round, that says a lot, doesn't it? And and that's happened throughout Neil Warnock's career. Um, but he, but he's also talked a lot about when when play, you know players need to be coming here for the right reasons, and that's something that um, I think we've 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 talked a lot about over the last couple of seasons. Especially, you know, 20 odd years ago when, when Borough were obviously throwing money at it and signing all these, and still are, but throwing huge money at it and signing all these global names. Um, it, it's almost like, you know, what, what, what's in the bank balance and, and what the pocketing is going is gonna, to is gonna do the convincing for them. Now it's about kind of getting them up here and seeing what the club's got to offer. Because I think, um, you know, Warnock would always back himself if he got himself in a one on one position with a player and he can sell kind of. Um, and he can sell his hopes for the club. But then Borough can all uh, can back themselves if they get him up to Rockcliffe and they see the facilities. You know the facilities that the England manager Gareth Southgate's purring about this week. Um, and, and and you know we 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 know when players come in and it's like this is what you hear all players say at all clubs I know, but uh, or at certain clubs in the Championship. But when players come in, they can look around, they see the stadium, they see the training ground, and, and think you know what's this club doing in the Championship. Um, so, from Warnock's point of view, he'll he'll talk about his desire for promotion next season, his record, the fact that he wants to get um, said player in the Premier League with Borough. But I think beyond that, the players who are coming in can see that, that there's a real, there's, you know, that this is a club where they want to be at. It's, there's an awful lot going for the club, um, you know, beyond next season, whether or not Neil Warnock's still a manager. Um. Well, that's a nice little segue into uh, the final bit of the podcast because we are recording this on Wednesday morning and England are down at the Riverside tonight for a warm-up for the Euros. Uh, Craig is going, I believe, to cover this one for the Gazette. So, I mean, it's going to be exciting to see England in the flesh and to see, you know, the players that that, that, that gets picked. Interestingly, and we're going to go a bit off tangent here, just briefly... He's going to be playing some of the players that he hasn't actually included in his squad, um, which is which is quite interesting, I think, because well, that seems a bit pointless to me. But anyway, he has been, as Dom said, very complimentary about the facilities, and he's, he seems excited to be back on Teesside. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's many little kind of um, you know little sub stories to to the main plot, which of course is England warming up for the the European Championships this summer. But as I say, many little sub stories uh, uh, from that. One of which is uh, Gareth Southgate's return to the Riverside. He he, he did do so once um, since leaving his Borough boss with the under with the England under twenty ones. But of course, this is. Uh, a much grander scale. He's, he's England manager now. It's one of two final games before, as we see, a, ma- a major international tournament. And uh, yeah, it, sh- it should be great. As you see, he's, he's been really complimentary of, of everything, um, you know, Borough have, have done for England uh, in the setup. The, the facilities at Rockcliffe allow for England to stay at the hotel uh, on days where they might be relaxing. There's a, a wonderful golf course there, which the players can can get on. And, and because the weather has been so lovely in this past week, the, he mentioned yesterday that they've been able to kind of outside as a, as a group eat together, which, you know, we talked about togetherness in the Borough squad. That's important for England and going at the European Championships as well. And and then it's a short travel to the Riverside. And, uh, you know, absolutely great for the region uh, and for North East football fans that uh, we're getting 
two England games here before such a, a major tournament. And um, yeah, I mean, that, that that's another, and for me, the biggest uh, kind of subplot of, of tonight and, and Sunday's game against Romania is the fact that we are going to see fans back inside the Riverside. I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's, it's 25% capacity uh, in so it's a shame it's not going to be quite full of course because of the restrictions still in place but nevertheless after a, a full season behind closed doors with the exception of that one Bournemouth game uh, just to see fans back at the Riverside is, is something I, I can't wait for uh, it's going to be absolutely brilliant to see and I'm just looking forward to that kind of you know getting to the ground and, and that more usual atmosphere pre-game of, of of kind of fans arriving early and mulling around the, the ground and everything uh yeah it's it's, it's really exciting uh, that for me is is the big story of of of, uh, of tonight sorry were you waiting for me to come in there i was i sent a message and everything oh i didn't i don't what happened to the hands up well, I keep doing it, but then there's a pause. I mean, to you guys listening, you could tell we're professional as ever. Pointed. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, I, um, I agree with Craig. I think I think it's a real shame that that it's not going to be full tonight. Um, because you, when you look back to previous international games at the Riverside, um, when the under twenty ones were here, when England women were here, when the um, Great Britain team were here ahead of the Olympics, and obviously that 2003 international against Slovakia, um, the side has absolutely turned out in force and all have turned into such fantastic occasions. And I remember each and every one of them. Um, but, but still, to see fans back in, and I know obviously tickets went to uh, the official supporters or my England uh, club members, whatever it is, um, but, but there's still going to be thousands of tea siders in there. Um, I know a fair few were going. Um, and, and I think it'll stir all sorts of emotions for those involved. For, for Borough fans there, it's not Borough. Still kind of seeing live football and taking it in with, with those around you. Um, and for Craig, uh, you know, I, I'm there on Sunday. I can't wait because Craig was, was at the Bournemouth game as well. So, so he, he had, you know, he had that experience. That was only a thousand. And, and Craig and everyone else who was there told me that, you know, when the goal went in, the racket, um, you know, you would have guessed it was it was twenty times that. Um, I would imagine it'll be it'll be the same tonight. Just just kind of being just watch. I was at the Athletics at Gateshead a couple of weeks back at the Diamond League on a Sunday night, um, and just being at live sport again was 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 fantastic. And as Craig said, it's it's not it's not just the game. It's kind of milling around beforehand and that that excitement and that buzz. Um, that you know the the, the build-up in the days leading up to it, and then and then obviously the aftermath and the discussions that that follow. I, I think it's brilliant for the club, the area. Um, you know, Rockcliffe is clearly a brilliant facility. Um, as we know, England are there this week. Scotland are there after that. Comes as absolutely no surprise. Got everything that you want, and obviously it's in a secure bubble, which is needed now. Um, so, so I, th I think, you know, the, the club and the town will obviously take immense pride in, in what is happening, not just this week, but in the coming weeks as well. It's, um, yeah, it's going to be a great, a great couple of games, great couple of events and occasions. Yeah, most certainly. Was that, that, was, that worth, was that worth the wait? It was, it was definitely. I was just yeah. going to say, it's going to be, it's, I think everyone's just buzzing out there for uh, the Euros and to hopefully, you know, for them to be played or people can watch them in, in relative normality, you know, in, in the pub beer gardens and what have, have you. Um, just on, on, on Gareth Southgate, obviously, he's doing a, a decent job with England. Um, did you, I mean, well, 
did any of you guys see him ending up in this job and doing so well after what happened at Middlesbrough? Obviously, he won the League Cup as a player, but then his looking from the outside in, his managerial spell didn't go quite to plan. I know he was still young and learning the ropes, and he's you know he's obviously he's he's done really well for England. But did you see that coming, Dom? Have you seen, did you see his rise um, happening after what happened at the Riverside? No, no, absolutely not. Um, not as a manager. I, I suppose, like, you know, when you look back, it's easy now to be to be wise after the event. And it, it, it was so raw and so inexperienced and it was such a difficult job for him. That, that much was clear at, at the time. You know, it, we, we know it's difficult to go in uh, when you're a captain or when you're a player and, and to step up as a manager in the same dressing room. And, and I guess to go in after... The uh, after the UEFA Cup final at Eindhoven and after the cup, the the, the Carling Cup win and, and all the, the 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 success in that three or four years, um, the kind of meet the picture that was portrayed in the media and in the national media at the time was that Gareth Southgate was unlucky to lose his job um, in the in the Championship season when Borough were fourth, third a point off the top, whatever it was. Um, I remember at the time thinking that that Southgate was lucky to still be in the job at that time. You know there, there was um, it, it, Steve Gibson was uh, we backed him the, the year earlier um, when when a lot of chairmen and owners wouldn't have done. Um, but but Southgate has said in only in an interview this week that um, he he we, well it was with Craig when Craig spoke to them with, with the England supporters. Um, that he he looks back now and he likes to think that it shows that Steve Gibson was right to see something in him. Um, and you know how many managers and players. I suppose, like, you know, with players, if it, if, it, if a move doesn't work out, they go somewhere else and absolutely take off. And with yet, yet we don't necessarily write them off. Yet with managers, when first jobs don't necessarily go to plan, they are written off. But as a person, as a bloke, I think Southgate ticks all the boxes in F, uh, for the FA. And, you know, for, for, for in, as England manager, I think he's done a great. Yeah, well, he has done a great job so far. He's 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 um, he's very open. He's honest. He's uh, you know he's he's, he's likable. Um, and and from a borough, uh, from a Teesiders perspective, it's fantastic to have seen him done so well because ultimately, no matter what happened as manager, he's 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 an absolute club legend for what he achieved as a player. One of the best players uh, who's pulled on a borough shirt. Certainly one of the best leaders in Borough's history. Um, was the captain who lifted the trophy on the Carlin Cup pitch. And, um, I was reading an interview in The Athletic this week with, with Michael Walker had spoken to Steve Gibson and, and Steve Gibson was talking about the importance of that Southgate signing when McLaren was appointed. That paved the way, really, for all the success that followed. Not only was you know, he, he one of the best defenders in the Premier League, he could have played for any, any club in the Premier League at that time, but he was also a leader and, and he took others with him. Um, you know, the standards went through the roof because of what he expected of, of teammates and others. Um, certainly of the Riverside era. Uh, but, but, you know, of all time, there's a case to be made that Southgate is absolutely one of the, one of the very best signings Borough have made. That's a big claim. Massive claim. Well, that's probably a podcast for the summer, actually. Where, you know, Borough's top 10 uh, signs of all time. We'll finish there. I mean, you mentioned it, but we'll finish. Craig, um, what was it like to speak to him and what was it like to, you know, to have a little chat with Southgate? Yeah, it was really good. I mean, it was part of a, a supporters uh, event. So um, kind of the so many England um, trust supporters from from the Teesside area were invited to this chat and it, it lasted about an hour of this 
ourselves and and BBC Tees were also invited along to the call and uh, and yeah, I mean it was it was, he was really really generous with his time, really really um, you know great with all the fans who were on the call. There was uh, there was one kind of family on the call, I, I recall, and um, there was a, there was a young kid kind of running about, coming in and out of shot on the on the on the camera and everything during the call. And, and when it came to their time to to ask the question. Uh, the kid wasn't on camera at that time, but, but Gareth made a point of before before the dad got his question in. Uh, Gareth made a point of asking, you know, who the who the who the kid was and and saying hello to him and everything. And I mean, imagine the, the bear must have been no older than, than maybe seven or eight. Uh, and, and and he's he's there on camera talking to the England manager. Uh, I mean, can you imagine how how amazing that would have been for that bear? Um, yeah, he, he was really generous in that way, and it was it was really interesting to just sit and, and and listen to him kind of talk about his time at Middlesbrough and and as Dom Dom referenced there, he kind of spoke about you know when he when he became manager and he, he has kind of mixed emotions about that because you know he spoke with so much love about his time at the club and in terms of his feelings for the club and you know really really raw and passionate about kind of. Uh, being the captain who won Borough's first major trophy uh, after 120 plus year wait and and kind of um, you know the parades after and how much that meant to him and his family, and then he kind of spoke about you know that it being potentially the wrong time and admitting he made mistakes when he became the manager, as well as other factors that weren't necessarily his fault. But he he says there was almost some regret there for him because he worries now that uh, he, he, he almost tarnished his reputation with some fans of the club and, and he left on a kind of sour, negative note. And, and you, it, it, you could tell it actually meant something to him when, when a couple of the fans on the call you know, corrected him and, and made sure he, he was aware that he is seen as a legend at the club and things like that. Like, um, you know, that genuinely meant something to him. That wasn't just, you know, like him kind of playing up to the fans on the call. It genuinely meant something to, to Southgate to be, you know, referred to as a legend at, at Borough. Um, and, and clearly he does still have a lot of strong feelings for this football club. Yeah, it's been great to see when he's been announcing the, the squads and stuff. He, he seems sincere every time he speaks to a journalist. I mean, especially the press conferences, they can go on for quite a bit, but... You know, he's, he's addressing everyone by name. He's asking them how they are. And it's it's just wonderful to see him so approachable, despite, you know, the pressures he will be under because, you know, he's heading England into a tournament in which they're joint favourites to win. So certainly a bit of pressure there, but he seems to be thriving on it. Um, what we'll do is, lads, we will finish on a score prediction for tonight's game. Uh, let me just double-check who England are facing because I'm one of those fans who don't really care about England until the tournament. So, in fact... Yeah. Big, just tell me who it is. Austria, mate. Austria. There we go. What's the score gonna be? Um, I'll I'll go for a narrow two-one victory for England. Obviously, Austria themselves going to the Euros this summer and uh, a warm-up game for themselves. So this one, the more difficult of the two uh, friendlies they'll play, but I'll, I'll still uh, opt for a, for a two-one victory for England. What about you, Dom? Yeah, I think I think England will win two-nil. Um, I'm not going to share my prediction because I say I'm a Fairweather fan until uh, the tournament kicks off. But um, I will be uh, interested to see if the lads' predictions come in. Thank you guys for joining me. Thanks to you guys for listening. And please remember to like and subscribe to Tribe Supper.